Hey, welcome back to Nocturnal Sports and today's edition of So You Didn't Make the Playoffs featuring the Texas Rangers. In case you didn't hear, every weekday we're going to be uploading these over the next three weeks to cover all 14 of the non-playoff teams. If you didn't listen to the one on the Pittsburgh Pirates yet, go back and give it a listen. Tune in afterwards for this one on the Rangers or listen to the Rangers one first and then head over to the Pirates They can all really be listened to in any sequence you want, although some of the later ones do reference some of the earlier ones. And be sure to spread the episodes around, especially to fans of these losing teams that probably aren't hearing much about their own club right now. Or send them to rivals of these teams that want to revel in their opponent's misery. Either way, hope you enjoy. Ethan's up all night. night. And covering all his bases. (laughs) From South San Francisco, California. This is Nocturnal Sports with Ethan Castle. All right, so we're going to move on to the Texas Rangers, who had the worst record in the AL at 22-38. and 38. Let's start off with what was good, Nick? Uh, it certainly was not their offense. Uh, so worst can, offense in the league, worse than the Pirates. Yeah, so we we quickly switch over to the pitching side of things. Uh, Lance Lynn was dominant for the majority of the season until the last couple last couple of rough starts to, to end the season, especially against the Astros. Uh, young reliever Jonathan Hernandez, two point seven ERA, thirty His innings. Fastball slider combo looked deadly. This dude could be like a legitimate, you know, setup closer threat for a few years. This this guy, they might really have something. Besides that, uh, not a whole lot, honestly, Ethan. Not a whole lot. Uh, Kyle Cody pitched well for them. Uh, very small sample size again. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is a nice complimentary guy. Maybe maybe not even a starter. And yet he's one of their best offensive players. Yeah, um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in like a utility Chad Pinder type role? Not bad. Also, he can play catcher, so that's cool. But if he's like one of your main weapons... That is not good. That is very bad. And that's what he was. Also, looked like uh, the young catcher Sam Huff seemed to be onto something towards the end of the year. But other than that, I guess uh, Rafael Montero was all right as a closer and didn't throw at Ramon Laureano like he did last year. And yeah, Lance Lynn, you know, if you like classic, old-fashioned, big, fat baseball dudes who just go out and play, Lance Lynn is your guy. Like, the dude is not built like an athlete at all but he goes out there he'll throw 100 plus pitches and i'm sure like all the goose gossage you know ah they used to be so much tougher back in my day absolutely love him but also he was actually really good and you got and you got to like how he's cut from the same cloth as bartolo because all he throws is fastball most of the time i i enjoy watching lancelin i do not enjoy it at the a's expense but i enjoyed watching him all right what was bad well obviously the offense like we said um worst offense in all of baseball but can we get a little insight on a couple of specifics there? Well, I'm going to um, pick on poor Mr. Anderson Tejeda for a second here. Hey, he homered in his debut against the A's, so I will give him that. In uh, 73 whole plate appearances, his, uh, his slash line is obviously bad if you look at the numbers. But what really stands out to me, his walk rate was 1.4% to go along with a K rate of 38.4%. That's bad. You don't have to be much of a baseball expert to understand that that's bad. 
Um, how about Elvis Andrews? You know, for years he was like, all right, you know, it was a hefty contract, but he was doing his job. He was okay. He was passable. And then suddenly he was not. What the fuck happened there? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, only so many plate appearances there, but he is 31. He, he, he could be uh, could be nearing the end of his uh, his career, at least as a starting player for the Rangers. But uh, unfortunately for them, I think he's locked up for, what, a few more seasons? Whatever it is, it's not good. And uh, you, you, look, you look at a guy like Willie Calhoun. That, he was uh, awesome in 2019. Yeah, expecting big things out of him. He was god-awful this season, a small sample size as well. Uh, just not a lot of bright spots on this team. Just looking all the way around it. Shinsu Chu was a, was below average player. This he season. may be retiring or at the end of his string with the Rangers, at least, you know, today was probably finally a game on his contract. So we'll see what happens with him. He is still very good at hitting first pitch homers. He hit two homers on the first pitch of games. You got to take the same approach that like you do if Acuna or Tatis is leading off. Don't give him a hittable first pitch. Another guy to pick on Robinson Torinos. He's turned, he's turned himself into a pretty good uh, pretty good power hitter the last few seasons. Most people, most people consider him as. Uh, he didn't hit a single home run, and he, he did hit, as a Met, I think. And he hit one nineteen this season. They still managed to trade him to the Mets for at least something. Um, pitching wise, Kyle Gibson bad. I thought, all right, he's a ground ball guy. He's not great, but he's an okay mid to back rotation. You know, like a three four starter. He was bad and. Jordan Lyles cannot recapture any of what he had for the Brewers in the second half last year. He was just atrocious. But the guy I want to pick on the most is not anyone on the field. It's one of the guys in the dugout, and that is manager Chris Woodward. On August 2nd, after he played a good game in San Francisco, Woodward decided to compare Joey Gallo to Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. At the time, he was hitting 310, obviously hitting... For tons of power, he had an 11.53 OPS. He finished at 6.79. And as much as I like a good Fatty Wap reference, that's terrible. Chris Woodward also famously kind of brought the wrath of the Padres on, bitching about Fernando Tatis Jr.'s 3-0 grand slam in a blowout. That game dropped the Rangers to 10-11. and 11. They then play, they had 39 more games to play. They won 12 more. They finished 12-27. and 27. The whole league went off on them. It wasn't enough to just give up a grand slam to the Padres in each of the next three games and create Slam Diego. That wasn't enough. The entire rest of the league fucked with them too. And my opinion of Chris Woodward used to be, oh yeah, I sort of remember him with the Blue Jays and stuff. Now my opinion is he's a complete fucking idiot. Anything else to add? Um, I think we've pretty well recap the situation of the Rangers and how abysmal they were this season. All right. So five guys. First up is Shurton Apostle. Now he only went two for 20, but let's consider that he turned 21 in March. And most importantly, he had maybe the best MLB debut story since a guy got in because whoever he was backing up had hemorrhoids. I don't remember the name, but I remember a guy saying, you know, my entire career was made possible by a single asshole, but Shurton Apostle was at the Rangers' alternate site, which was the old park, which is, you know, like a 15-minute walk across the parking lot from the new one. You know, Globe Life Field, Globe Life Park, etc. Same complex. Jerry World's there, too. So the Rangers are playing a doubleheader against the A's on September 12th. 
They have stuff in the training site in the morning, and then Shuriken goes back to his apartment and takes a nap. He wakes up and he has five missed calls from the Rangers, like from John Daniels and whoever else. And he checks his messages and it's, get ready, you're coming to the majors and playing a game in 30 minutes. So they were going to have to put Elvis Andrews on the injured list. But then Anderson Tejeda, who you already mentioned, had to go, wasn't able to play in that second game because he had like some severe stomach pain or something or he was sick. So within 30 minutes, he woke up, got a ride to the park from one of the assistant GMs, and played in a major league game. You know, during that ride, he like called his mom's like, hey, um, I'm playing in the majors, turn on the TV. Uh, he only went two for 20, but like I said, only 21 years old and can't really blame him for making an error in his first major league inning when he was literally asleep less than 45 minutes before. Also, his brother is named Shendrick. So I, I just like the I just like the fact his, uh, his first middle name is Wimbert. I think that bodes well for him. That's good, yeah. All right, next up, Adolis Garcia. First off, I did not know Adolis Garcia is the brother of Adonis Garcia, who played mm-hmm. third base on some very, very bad Braves teams. Yep. He played a little bit with the Cardinals in 2018 and 2019 and had an awful two plan and a key situation. I remember him getting thrown out like between third and home, maybe to end a game last year, like a game that the Cardinals desperately needed. Or no, it had to be 2018 when they missed the playoffs, I would think. I'm not sure. Either way, it was one of those two. Well, the Rangers were hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with him. He played a bunch in spring training before the shutdown. Didn't play much in the regular season. Went 0 for 6 with a walk, and that was that. Anything to add there? Um, I'm honestly just intrigued that Adonis Garcia has a brother, because I was not aware of that until now. I never made the connection. Next up, Luis Garcia. One of three Luis Garcias who played in the majors this year. You have the youngest student in the league with the Nationals, and you have the Astros pitcher. He, like Yusmero Petit, has a nice Civil War beard. He pitched for the Phillies from 2013 to 2018, and then last year pitched with the Angels. He got lit up a bunch this year and got BFA'd pretty quickly. Most importantly, on September 11th, when the Rangers hosted the A's, Garcia served as the opener, and he walked the first three batters he faced and then gave up a grand slam to Matt Olson. So that's what I got on Luis Garcia. Nick, what do you have on Luis Garcia? Um, he's, a, he's a young kid. He actually uh, pitched really well against the A's. Back on the ninth, uh, strike out four batters in five innings against the A's. Yeah, I think you've got the Astros, Luis Garcia. Oops. We're going to pretend that was intentional. We're going to pretend that was intentional. Yeah, this guy has been in the majors for like eight years. This is a different Luis Garcia. The other Luis Garcia is, he's got kind of a weird sort of ponytail thing, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Rangers Luis Garcia who, like I said, was the opener on September 11th and walked the first three batters and then served up a grand slam and wasn't heard from much after that. Anything to add there? I I don't think I have anything to add to that. You know, normally I would edit something like that out, but I think getting him mixed up with one of the other two Luis Garcias was funny enough to keep. You know what? He has a great beard, I just realized. Yeah, seriously, like Civil War general levels. All right, next up, John King, who... Allowed 13 hits and eight runs, seven of which were earned over 10 and a third innings. And he gave up three runs to the A's on September 12th in garbage time in a doubleheader. Other than having a really bland generic name, like the first John King that comes up is like a soccer player or something. So if you go onto Wikipedia, you better make sure to look up John King, parentheses, baseball. What else do we have about John King? Um, I just discovered he exists. And uh, and that's that's the beauty of this uh, of this discussion here. Um 
it, he didn't even come up right away. I just I just scroll down, <laughs> scroll down uh, halfway through Google to to actually find this guy. Um, yeah, it's one thing if your name is like Michael Jordan or George Washington, and you don't come up right away. And yes, John King is a pretty common name. You know, it's it's not like you know being named Jurickson Profar and not being the first Jurickson Profar to come up, but still. He was born in Laredo. Ethan, you got anything on Laredo, Texas? Um, it's a big city. Texas has a lot of big cities. I think it's close to the Mexican border, if I'm not mistaken. And he has a good minor league track record, actually. So he has that going for him. Uh, career ERA of 2.56 in the minor leagues. And looking at the maps, yes, I was right about Laredo. It is way down by the border, actually. It is, in fact, on the border, on the Rio Grande. And across from that is Nuevo Laredo. So there's a little geography fact. All right, our last random ranger to conclude the Five Guys segment is Jung Tae Kim, better known as Rob Refsnyder. Fun fact, Rob Refsnyder is Korean and was adopted, and his real name is Jung Tae Kim. He was a College World Series hero with Arizona, but... In the majors, he has just been kind of a random filler piece with a bunch of different organizations. The Rangers were maybe hoping he could do what Logan Forsythe did for them the prior year or something. He did not. He went 6-for-34 with a double before getting DFA'd, and he played first base and both corner outfield spots. Nick, what do you have on Rob Refsnyder? I, when I think of Rob Refsnyder, I think of uh, probably one of the more random... Um, one of the more random Yankee utility pieces over the last several years. Uh didn't really amount to a whole lot as a Yankee, but just because he's a Yankee, I feel like a decent amount of people know of him. Yeah, kind of like kind of like Slade Heathcott. I feel like fits like that same sort of or Tyler Wade. Although I know Tyler Wade also has a bunch of like Twitter fangirls because he's attractive, but you know he's like the next. Like I know David Fletcher has like a huge online following. Tyler Wade sort of in that same. Mold, but when I think of Rob Ref Schneider, I think of how the A's gave up a three-run homer to him in 2018, and I still think that that could be disqualification, like grounds to disqualify everything good about the 2018 A's. Um, but that's the end of five guys for the Rangers. So, Nick, what are your overall takeaways on the Rangers and their future? Well, this is another. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I might be more. I might be more negative about the Rangers than I am the Pirates at this point. Um, the, the Rangers, there's not a whole lot of bright spots moving forward. I mean, Sam, Sam Huff, uh, he might be their best hitting prospect at this point. I'd have to look through the system a little bit, a little more thoroughly. Um, I don't see a lot of exciting young pitching outside of Jonathan Hernandez, who's not a starting pitcher. Um, maybe this guy, Wes Benjamin is okay. I don't know. They're just throwing stuff though. Maybe Colby Allard. Yeah. I know they gave him some relief opportunities, but yeah, there's just not there's not any cornerstone position players at this point that you can really build around. I mean, Joey Gallo hits home runs and stuff. He was, he was, he was disappointing in a small sample size this season. Um, but I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily a super young guy at this point either. So uh, the Rangers, I expect to be in the bottom of the AOS for a long time. I, I would say they're at the point where they should strongly consider going full scorched earth rebuild we didn't even mention Corey Kluber or Mike Miner uh Kluber made one appearance and then left injured and that was it at least they didn't give up much for him and one of the guys they gave up Emmanuel Clase or Clase I'm still not sure how it's pronounced ended up getting popped for steroids and didn't get to pitch this year but they need to stop doing the half-assed semi-compete semi-rebuild shit the White Sox did for years and just go full scorched earth and be done with it especially considering that the Mariners are going to be fine for the next few years 
The A's are where they are. The Astros, even if they're not going to be as good, have been competitive. They really just need to say, fuck it. And start from scratch. At, at this point, at this point, I would, uh, if I'm the Rangers, I'd be looking to see if anybody could could take on the Chu and Andrews deals, and maybe just and may and you know, I believe Chu's at the end of his, but yeah. there might be an option yeah, or something. Or at least the Andrews deal. Um, I mean, yeah, you might have to package something enticing to make that work. Yeah, I I would wonder maybe when they were shopping Lynn, who they ended up obviously not trading. Maybe they were trying to make someone take on one of those contracts or something. Oh, Andrews might have a no trade clause with like his. 10-5 rights or whatever. But, yeah, the Rangers, I would say, now that I think about it, they might be in a worse place long-term than the Pirates. I mean, fi- and financially uh, speaking, the Pirates are absolutely the Pirates still, which is, uh, which is it's hard to be too optimistic about them at, at pretty much any point in time. Uh, and so, and the Rangers definitely have, uh, definitely throw on some money at times, but, um, I, I would question uh, John Daniels' uh, future in Texas and his overall game plan the last few seasons. Yeah, we'll see if he keeps trying to hunt for former A's and keeps like checking under his bed for Billy Bean at night because Billy Bean is absolutely... like John Daniels is so terrified of Billy Bean. I mean, how many random former A's had he picked up over the years? But I think the one thing the Rangers really have going for them long-term is that they can always be able to spend and they've got the advantage of having a lot of dudes from their area and they can always try to get guys to play for their hometown team. But before you make any big splashes like that, you might want to say fuck it and rebuild in fall. All right. I think that sums up the Rangers. This has been Nocturnal Sports with Ethan Castle. Now Ethan's off to edit this episode. Well, that was true at the time it was recorded. If you're listening to it now, all of the post-production work is obviously complete. He's probably busy organizing his collection of colonial-era scrimshaw, or playing backyard baseball at twitch.tv slash Ethan R. Castle, or sleeping. Most likely sleeping.